0: This episode is brought to you by my friends at Compliment and their incredible Compliment Essential Multi Nutrient with the eight critical hard to get nutrients on a plant-based diet all in one place. There's no question that the plant-based diet is a nutrient powerhouse. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know, I preach that all of the time, but no matter how great it is for your long-term health. No diet is perfect. Even a well planned diet can lack a few important nutrients for your health. That's where Complement Essential comes in. It provides those essential nutrients like vitamin B12 and DHA and EPA omega 3s in science backed bioavailable amounts, all in a simple capsule you take daily. It even comes in 100% biodegradable packaging that will literally break down in your backyard if you were to bury it. To learn more about Compliment's products and why I choose essential to complement my diet, go to lovecompliment.com forward slash Ashley and use the code Ashley10 at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the show, Plant-Centered Listener. My name is Ashley, and I am so excited you are here today. I want to give a special shout out if you're listening from Fresno, California, Raleigh, North Carolina, which is basically my backyard, Jacksonville, Florida, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Chandler, Arizona. Thank you so much for being here today. We have a very special guest for you. If you're familiar with the Plant Pure Nation documentary, we have Nelson Campbell on the show today, which I'm so thrilled for you to listen to our interview. He's just such a wealth of knowledge and so kind and generous with everything. He is the son of T. Colin Campbell, who actually coined the term plant-based. How wild is that? He was looking for a way to describe what he was researching and this diet that he was studying, and he termed the coin plant-based, which I think is so, so cool. He also wrote the China study and all those great things. So we have his son, Nelson, on the show today, and I'm so thrilled for you to listen Before we get into that, I just want to thank you again for your transparency in the scholarships that we are offering with the course, which is still available. We will announce the winner of that scholarship on our July 3rd podcast, so a week from when this airs in June. Thank you again for your submissions. You have a few days left if you want to submit your chance to enter to win a free course which is plant-based in 30 days so it's a guide in helping you go plant-based and so we would just love to hear your story katie and i still are like how are we going to pick one person? Oh my goodness. It's it's just been, y'all, y'all stories are incredible. So we appreciate you. We appreciate this community. If you're looking to work together, if you're looking to grab the course, which is plant based in 30 days, we have those resources always in the show notes. So if you're curious to learn more about what that looks like, go ahead and explore those. I hope you're having a great summer. I think I've talked about berry picking on here before, but if you haven't gone berry picking yet this summer, blueberries are now starting to become in season, depending on where you're at in the U.S. specifically. So I would highly recommend it. It's just such a fun activity to do, to kind of get outside and forage your own fruit um, I've done it a couple times this summer, and I would love to go back and get some more blueberries because they are so good and just so different than what you buy in the grocery store. So if you're looking for something fun to do, highly recommend it. But I definitely want to get to Nelson's interview because it was just really phenomenal. He, again, talks about Plant beer Nation, Plant Pure Nation documentary, The Communities, We talk a lot about the importance of community, and then he talks about some new stuff that he's working on and some stuff that's recently been launched this year, which Katie and I had the privilege of going and screening his latest documentary, which is also in our backyard in the Hillsborough, North Carolina area. So Katie and I, I live in the Durham area, Katie lives in the raleigh Carey area, and we got to go to a farm where the Campbells hosted a screening to watch their latest documentary, which we talk about in this interview. So it was such a special event and it was so cool to meet them and talk with them and learn more about all the wonderful things they are doing to promote plant-based eating. And this latest documentary was, oh my goodness, it was incredible. I don't even have words to describe it. It was phenomenal. So highly recommend that. Again, we talk about it in the interview. So let me stop talking. Let me introduce Nelson and we'll just jump right into the show. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, welcome to the show, Nelson. I am so grateful that you've taken time out of your day to come on the show and just share your experience with Plant Pure and everything that's going on in your life right now. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited to talk with you today, Ashley. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of, I know you've shared your story before, but for listeners who aren't quite familiar with your story or your family, I'm curious just if you could explain how Plant Pure kind of came about. You know, it's always, when we look at people who are in the plant-based space, especially, it's hard not to compare maybe our beginning when we're first starting to go plant-based to someone else who has been in it for a little while now. So I'm curious if you could just kind of explain how this all came about for you and how you got started.
1: Okay, well, it's a pretty long history, so um, I'll just hit a few of the high points. But I didn't grow up plant-based. I grew up on the kind of diet that most other people grow up on. Um, But uh, I, I, you know, was close to my father and watched him as he was going through his research career. And we used to always, we had a pretty big family. We'd always sit around a big table for dinner every night and have interesting discussions. But a lot of times he'd talk about his work. And so I really did have a front row seat to all of that. And he started to make a lot of his key discoveries when I was a teenager. So in my late teens, we started moving toward a plant-based diet as a family. And then in my early to mid-20s, I became fully plant-based. So uh, I've been plant-based for for quite a while. I won't tell you how old I am. (laughs) and. And so, uh, you know, I'm just a big, a big fan. And and I also watched over those years, I watched uh, the resistance that my father faced uh, over his career, which was a lot more severe than what, you know, I think the public tends to to understand. Um, He he went through a lot of grief within his profession, uh, within academia, uh, you know, people in government industry kind of going after him. And so I just saw saw the battles that he had to fight and was inspired by that, of course. And my background is uh, as a sort of socially conscious entrepreneur, I I refer to myself and I I was doing kind of entrepreneurial things for a good part of my life. and, And in the early to mid 2000s, I decided, you know, I really would like to to help get this health message more into the mainstream, you know, kind of just you know from the what at that time was considered more of a fringe idea you know into the mainstream and so i started thinking about a strategy a grassroots strategy that we could pursue to do that 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 involved food and grassroots organization and media and and different things to help get this message out to more people so i started working on that in the late 2000s and actually, the first thing that we did was we developed uh, some food products and recipes that we could use to support an immersion program. And at that point, this was a new idea. You know, people weren't really doing this, and so we started um, testing this concept out in our local community. And since you live here locally, you know <laughs> where I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, we did a program in Wake Forest, and we did a program in Mebane and uh, kind of perfected it and I remember the first time we did that program you know we measured the, we got the biometrics before and after and we couldn't believe the results that we had and I shared them with my father and he was amazed as as well because again this was the first time that anyone had really done something I mean maybe they they had done this someplace else in some other clinic or something, but I hadn't heard of it and certainly yeah. didn't have those results. And so it was pretty amazing to see, you know, cholesterol falling by you know twenty to twenty five percent, you know, in ten days, and and all these health conditions uh, reversing.
0: Yeah, in ten and days, so, ten days yeah. too, which is pretty phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and so we were doing that, and then the opportunity came along to make a film <laughs> and it, it, we tell the story of how that opportunity came to be in our, our film plant pure nation. So, you know, I won't go into a lot of detail about that. But we'll just encourage people that they can watch that movie, which is on Amazon prime. And um, at that point, I, I didn't know how to make a film, but I wanted to make a film because I thought it would create a platform that we could stand on on to better execute the strategy, the grassroots approach that we were envisioning. And so there was a storyline that developed um, in in Kentucky, and I kind of envisioned how I could extend that in a way that could create an interesting film. And then I reached out to some people who know how to make films. And they joined me and taught me, uh, kind of uh, taught me and basically sent me to film school for two years. Um, You know, I learned how to write and and direct and different things. Um, So came out with the film Plant Pure Nation. And that then became a basis for helping us launch what we've done since then.
0: Yeah. And that came out in 2015, right? Plant Pure Nation? That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, it came out in theaters in 2015. Okay. Um, we did something kind of crazy with that film. We, 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 we produced the rough cut and normally you're really embarrassed about a rough cut (laughs) (laughs) because there's, there's a lot that you still haven't figured out yet. So, uh, but we took the rough cut on tour and we went up and down the East coast and the West coast. I took it on a cruise boat and showed it. And everywhere I went, I said, please let me know your criticisms. Uh, after the film, we always did a and a So I always had a long line of people. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then they, 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 you know, they were gave their impressions and we got in the car to drive to the next place and we literally were editing it as we went. Wow. So that was kind of fun.
0: I mean, that's pretty cool, though, to take feedback from people who are actually invested in the film, who have taken time to mm-hmm. come and watch it. And for you to be able to take feedback and maybe make some adaptions or adaptations to your film after that, that's pretty unique, I would say, for you and the viewer.
1: Yeah. And and it's fun, you know, to get, to get feedback like that. You know, a lot of times, and we all do it. I mean, it's part of being a human being, I think, is we have this ego inside of us and And uh, um, but if we can just let it go a bit and Mm. uh, make ourselves vulnerable and open up to to other people and to their ideas and feedback, you know, we can do so much more. And and, uh, I really that that was confirmed for me in in this process of making this movie because we got a, a lot of great feedback and made a lot of improvements.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was it like coming from more? Because I know that you're you were involved in like more government economic side of things. Then you merged that with you know going to f- film school and doing all that. Or was it was it actual film school?
1: No, was it, it so, was. OK. That's what, <laughs> so, yeah. So so what happened, the, the details around that is uh, a key player in, in all of that is someone who's now become uh, actually one of my closest friends is John Corey. John Corey uh, produced Forks Over Knives and he produced uh, other films as well. And so uh, he's a master at producing documentaries, but he did something that also was very humble of him. Uh, When he came to our project, we were in a little disarray because we didn't really know what we were doing. (laughs) And there were other issues going on, too. Uh, But uh, he came in and. At that point, uh, he could have just sort of taken over and, you know, written the film and done everything. And, um, but he didn't do that. Uh, he, he said, you've got a story to tell. Um, you need to tell it. Um, I, I'm going to teach, you know, I'm going to work with you and support you and kind of, sh- you know, teach you how to do this. Wow. And, and that's what he did. He, he was very empowering. So he, instead of taking over the process, you know, he, he explained, "Here's how you write, and here's how you do this, and you do that." And so I was able to to take that 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 instruction to to do what I did with the film. And it was a team effort. It wasn't just me. It was we had a great two great cinematographers, and we had a, a fantastic editor. And of course, John is the producer. So it was a real team pro, uh, team effort. But but it was a lot of fun. I love I love film. It's probably the if I look back. My career is the thing I like most of all, because I've always loved to write. So at one time when I was younger, I, I studied philosophy and, and government, and I thought I might be a writer. And, and if you told me that someday you're going to do, do business or you're going to be an entrepreneur, I would have said you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so but what I what I learned in film is that it's a process at, 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 at its core. It's a process of writing. Yeah. You know, it's a you tell a story. And, you know, normally when you, you sit down to write something, at least when I was young, you had a piece of paper and a pen or pencil <laughs> <Yep. laughs> did you have computers. so uh, now, of course, we use computers. But but when you write a film, you're not using your words. You're using the words of the people in the story that you have filmed. And typically you have hours and hours and hours of this stuff. So you have a lot of content to work with but the currency are the words that are spoken on that film. Yeah. And so, but the writing process is the same. You know, you you have a story to tell and every piece has to flow from the piece that came before and flow into the piece that follows. And, you know, in filmmaking, it's really important that there's a flow because if you, if you, di- if you digress in a way that creates an edity, eddy in the storyline, that's when people are going to get up and go, go to the refrigerator, turn off the TV or something.
0: (laughs) 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 Which is definitely not the case for Plant Pier Nation, because if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend going and checking it out because there are moments in time where you're on the edge of your seat watching and going, what is going Mm -hmm. to happen? Because the story is incredibly captivating. So I think you just did such a remarkable job, you and your team, with that.
1: Yeah, the hard part of that film was actually driving that storyline. And the work that we did in Kentucky, you know, I was living in a hotel, cheap, Maybe cheap motel, and uh, I would go to sleep at night wondering if someone was going to blow our cover. In which case, oh. it would have all been over.
0: Oh wow! But, I didn't uh, even think about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot more that went into that than we could show in the film.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you mentioned your dad getting a lot of pushback, which I think a lot of us cannot even relate to the level of just criticism he received. When you were doing your immersions early on, Was there were there people questioning like, no, oh, you fudged the numbers. There's no way that could happen in such a short period of time. Because I now, now I know you're doing them more often, and that's a big part of what From Food to Freedom is about. But initially, was there pushback or skepticism with what you were doing?
1: Sure. You know, there are a lot of people who would uh, hear the story and kind of look in and say, yeah, how were how, how you re- is really able to do that? Is, that? is that real? And so one of the things that we did is we took um, a bunch of that data from those early immersions and we gave it to some researchers at the University of Cincinnati. And they actually had to get IRB, Institutional Review Board approval to do the study. So this was an IRB approved study but they went in and analyzed the data and then they produced a report. So, you know, we we do have that to give us some additional credibility, but of course, since then we've done this over and over and over again and anyone can do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you guess you could do it see for yourself. It's it's uh it's it's pretty easy to get these results.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Plant Pure Nation came out in 2015, and then From Food to Freedom came out this year. And Mm -hmm. I feel very honored that I got to watch it when you all filmed it just locally here at a farm, which was a really wonderful experience. What kind of improvements or changes, or maybe how is From Food to Freedom a little bit different than Plant Peer Nation? And for people who have not seen From Food to Freedom Mm -hmm. yet, we definitely want to talk about where they can watch that. But what are some differences um, between the two films?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I would share is that after we did that screening that you went to, we made some further edits uh, based oh. on feedback that we got and from other people after that. OK. So, nice. the, so the final version turned out to be a little different. Uh, oh. I think a little improved, um, but but it is in a, in final form now. So in the first film, you know, as you know, there's a political drama that and, and that we helped to to create. Um, And the purpose of that film was really to to show to people kind of up close and personal how 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 has this health message been suppressed for so many years? I mean, this is the greatest, really the greatest health discovery ever made. I mean, there's nothing when you think about it that compares to this. And yet the data on this uh, started to come out in the 70s. And there, of course, there were even studies many years prior. As my dad has pointed out, some of his writings, but the kind of the hardcore science uh, that he performed, uh, he was doing back in the seventies and into the eighties. You know, he went to Washington and lobbied and tried to get this information out, but he couldn't. So, you know, when you tell people this information, that's one of the questions they have: is okay, if this is true, then I would have heard this by now, Right. right? So, so the purpose of that film was to show how powerful economic forces can suppress this message. Um, The second film is a little bit different. Uh, The storyline doesn't, it's not extended uh, kind of in a dramatic fashion as as we saw in the first film. The whole, pretty much the whole, most of the story takes place in a house (laughs) in in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, We convened a group of people who had type two and had as a key word type type two diabetes, who were all taking insulin, and two of them brought their spouses, so there were eight people there, but six participants, and uh, we demonstrated how in ten days, and you know I don't want to totally spoil the movie, but but how that that disease can be completely resolved, which is which is remarkable. It's astonishing, and yes. You know, the the power of this diet is so tremendous that when you you work with people like that, you actually have to have medical supervision because what happens is their bodies start producing insulin so quickly that if they keep taking the same dose of insulin, they can go into hypoglycemic shock. And so, so they have to be monitored and they were here and there was a physician so that she could reduce their dosages down. But we show the healing effects of the diet in a very dramatic way, um, in in a situation where the everything was controlled. Yeah. you know there was a hundred percent compliance. People had to eat the food that we were cooking, and we wanted to do that to show the maximum impact because we also wanted to make a larger argument relating back to this issue again of, about the suppression of this message, and 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 that within the context of the pandemic that we just. All went through.
0: Yep.
1: And of course, you know, when we talk about the pandemic, uh, we we made a, a a conscious decision. You know, we didn't want to touch any of those topics that just get people so angry, whether it's masking or vaccinations or any of that stuff. And it's a nonpartisan film, but we wanted to make a, a, what I consider to be even a bigger point about the connection of food to to disease and immunity and our failure to share this information during the pandemic. And, and so it's a, it's a different film that way, you know, we're, you know, we were, we were trying to show the, 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 the maximum healing effect of the diet and then relate it back to the pandemic and, um, touching again on this issue of, of suppress- how this information has been suppressed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because there's so much, even if you go to different websites, I know you talk about this in the film as well. Maybe it was even in the discussion after the film when we were talking, but there isn't a whole lot of information on diet and diet's connection to disease and illnesses and things like that. There's this big missing piece that just isn't being addressed. And it is, it's frustrating.
1: It is very frustrating. I'll just share a little story uh, that we were involved in during the pandemic. So we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we put together a petition You know, because we have a a lot of grassroots followers, and we thought maybe we could pull this off is to put it together, a a petition calling on our leaders. And they were named in the petition to share this vital information with the public. You know, this was in the midst of the pandemic. And so we put the petition together. Uh, We actually reached out because we had some connections to Bill Maher. So we reached out to his staff and his team and they agreed to promote it as well. But but I remember the day we released it on Facebook and I could see the views. It was actually like starting to go like a hockey stick. Ah uh, <laughs> yes. You know, like this. And then all of a sudden, Ashley, it just flatlined. Huh. Right. Because and and we did some research into this later. And if you dig into the information that Facebook had out there, you know, they they, they said that, hey, if you if you're going to post anything about the pandemic and, and, and you're touching on anything basically like, controversial, we're going to suppress it. Yeah. And so, so that's what they did. You know, so that and that was really aggravating. You know, oh, of course. They they, 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 they would have done that. But then, of course, at the level of the government and. Uh, you know, there there were, you know, we know some of the people in media and in the government who are fully aware of the connection of food to immunity, who who made conscious decisions not to talk about this during the pandemic.
0: Mm. Wow. That's so tough. I mean, I feel like that's, it's kind of similar to what's going on with the dairy industry right now, trying to silence the plant milk industry and, you know, all these things mm-hmm. that are going on. And I feel like so many times you have to follow the money and see... Yeah, just what's going on. But we, I'm sure we could talk about that for a long time because mm-hmm. it's a very frustrating thing that's going on um, kind of above us.
1: So, yeah, I think the the part of it that I've never understood, though, Ashley, is how anyone I, I know we all have to make uh, a living to support ourselves and support. So I yeah. have some empathy around that. I don't want to sound too harsh when I'm saying I, I do understand that. But if you are a really influential person and. And, you know, you you could easily find work elsewhere <laughs> and yeah. perhaps you've already made a lot of money. I just don't understand how people can consciously do wrong uh, that they mm. know uh, will harm so many people.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: a lot of t- times we talk about the system, you know, the pharma industry, the government, the whatever. It's always this big kind of alien entity and personal entity but it's really people. Yeah. You know it's people who who make decisions to live this way. And and that's the part I don't understand. You know how yeah. how can we live for how can we live that way?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's actually a um a quote on your website and I wrote it down because I thought it was really remarkable and I wanted to touch on it at the close and I feel like it's related mm-hmm. to what we're talking about here. And it says, if you don't mind me reading it, it says, there are two impulses present in many of us. One is the impulse to be right and to judge others who are wrong. The other is the humble, non-judgmental impulse to love. And I know you all relate very heavily to the second part, but I was curious, you know, what makes you favor the humble, non-judgmental love aspect of things because that's truly what you're doing, especially when you're hosting these immersions and with the films that you're creating and these pods that you're creating, which I do want to touch on. But what makes you lean more heavily into that versus maybe more like judgment or um, being harsh or critical of people?
1: You know this, this this goes to a very deep level, I think, Ashley. Um, you know, it goes back to this issue of ego again and, and wanting to be right and you know people will will, will say things and, and and they'll represent themselves in a certain way and then and then and then feel the impulse to defend that mm. you know they they define themselves maybe by what they say and and sometimes by you know their reputations and sometimes by their money and their things and but that's not who we really are um we 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 are not those things. and But we have all these attachments around us. And so we're always driven to want to preserve and defend those things. But if we can, and many, many Eastern philosophers talk about this, but also it's in the Bible. You know, this was the core of, of the message of Jesus. And so this is a very spiritual concept that if we can live without those attachments, and we can make ourselves vulnerable and open to other people, what that really means is that, first of all, it allows us to open our eyes to see bigger truths. Because today, I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on, there's splinters of truth everywhere. Mm. That no one side has the truth. There are splinters of truth. And if we can open our eyes, We can see those truths and weave together something bigger so so we can see more deeply and we can understand and we can see the bigger connections and come together to make change. Um, And when we open our eyes that way and we see those truths, we also can learn then to open our hearts and we can expand our compassion. People have always loved their neighbors. (laughs) You know, even just to take the extreme example, even during the Holocaust, the people working at those, I can't even imagine those gas chambers yeah. would go home to their communities and they love their families and they love the neighbors, you know, in the, in, the, in the house next door. But that was a very limited, kind of almost perverse type of love, you know, when it's very tribal.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think what a, a lot of our spiritual leaders are, have tried to get us to do is to to open our eyes so we can see these bigger connections and make our love more expansive. Mm. And, and, and here's the key. At the end of the day, if we do that, we feel greater freedom and satisfaction and fulfillment in in our lives. When we live that way, it's actually better for us. (laughs) And that's this for each of us individually. And that's the secret that most people don't understand when they, when they hang on to those attachments, that dogma, you know th- those the superficial ways they define themselves, they limit their their lives. They limit themselves, and they don't get as much out of life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was this part of the driving factor for starting the pods in a way where people can actually come together, even if it's just like a tiny bit of a driving factor, where people are coming together, not just online, but actually together face to face in a community that they can be vulnerable and share and connect with people on a deeper level.
1: Exactly. Actually, because when we are living in community, we do tend to become more vulnerable and open to one another. That's the power. That's the power of connection. And, um, you know, that's, that's a travesty of our modern world is Technology is raced way ahead of our, 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 our humanity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, and, and so we've become uh, captive to that. Of course, this AI thing is a whole nother. That's a whole nother uh, kind of scary uh, uh, step in that direction. But, um, but we've got to figure out strategies. Um, and there are many that could be developed. But, but we have to commit ourselves to figuring out how to how to rebuild local communities how mm-hmm. to enable communities to come together and people to connect um, when we do that all of these isms that plague us they tend to go away yeah. because when we're living in connection you know we all experience each other is the same we're you know at our core we're, we we all have you know the, the same inner core and and we discover that through our connection to one of the, the problem we have in our country, though, is when when we pay, you know, over 90 percent of every every tax dollar that we pay, it goes someplace else other than where we live. You know, it goes to this monstrous uh, federal bureaucracy that subsidizes the meat industry and the pharma industry. It goes to fight wars overseas. It goes, you know, it goes to all these other places. And so, local communities don't have the resources that they need. There, there are so many social entrepreneurs and visionaries and leaders, even in the most under-resourced communities. Yeah. But, but they don't have the tools that they need, which are it's not just financial, but it's also informational. You know, we need to figure out how to reroute resources into our communities and provide information on best practices and things that 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 can be replicated yeah um you know it's kind of like when you plant a garden you don't you don't go grab a plant and turn it upside down and jam it into the soil you put a seed in the soil and you let it root and, and and grow and you know that's that's what we have to do
0: yeah I know. I I couldn't agree more. And would you actually mind explaining for someone who might not be familiar with the plant peer pods, what they are, especially if someone's listening and they're looking for that connection. They're looking to be connected with like-minded people who maybe are centered around a plant-based diet.
1: Mm -hmm. So these are just, you know, groups of people and we have a directory in our uh, on our website at Um So there may be one near you. If not, it's easy to set one up. All you need is one or two other people. It'll very, very quickly grow. But typically, these are groups of people who meet monthly around a potluck. And uh, like, as you know, in our local pod, uh, you know a lot of people do the same. They'll come in and they'll post their recipes on the wall. So it's an opportunity to taste and learn new recipes. But more than that, to connect and commune with people who are living this way. And um, and that's, uh, you know, it's very fulfilling. it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, our, our local pod has always been something that Kim and I have enjoyed uh, going to. And then some, some pods also do things in their communities. you know they're they're undertaking strategies to help share the message within their communities. and that's the that's kind of the next phase that we want to encourage. Is for local pods to become more active in helping to spread the message in, within their communities. So we're looking at a few different ideas around that. Right now, though, Ashley, our biggest struggle is actually funding. It's been extremely difficult to to raise the money to support uh, our our organization, and um, you know, we we obviously can rely on volunteer help, but if we don't preserve the, you know, the kind of the core of the whole thing, which is, a, you know, a core group of people who who wake up every day and it's part of their job thinking about how do we support and grow this, you know, the whole thing will fall apart. So yeah. so that's what my focus is now is trying to to raise some money. And actually toward that end, if people want to help, they can hopefully uh, consider being a monthly supporter, supporter uh, and go to plantpeercommunities.org to do that.
0: Perfect. And that link is just below. So if you want to do that, you can easily just mm-hmm. click below and go to that link mm-hmm. and donate if you're able. Yeah, absolutely. So the plant peer pots are something that people can get involved in, or they can create their own if there's not one in their community, mm-hmm. which is yep. really exciting. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Very and, easy to do. And, and, and they tend to grow on, you know, you'd be surprised if you just had two or three other people to start eating with and having a potluck, how quickly it'll grow.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And it's amazing. Some of the people I met at your local pod, you know, people were mm-hmm. just starting to join and they were just really almost like plant curious, you know, some were vegetarian, mm-hmm. some weren't maybe fully plant-based yet at all, but they were just so inspired. And I mean, then, then they're tasting all the food and they're like, okay, I could get used to this, you know, cause everything is so mm-hmm. delicious, but it is such a fun way to, be together with people who share a similar view when it comes to how we eat, but then also inspire maybe other people to do the same, which is always so exciting.
1: Yes. And that's a very important function of pods is giving people who are cur- who are curious about this a place to come to, to learn about it, to talk to others who have been doing it. So,
0: yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Nelson, I'm curious. What is coming up for? First of all, I guess this this is airing in June. Where is maybe the best place for people to access from Food to Freedom if they really want to watch it? Which I highly recommend you should because it's a really great yeah. documentary.
1: So, so we're looking at two different pathways for a public release of that. Ashley, we did a limited uh, release with Food Revolution Network, more of a private kind of online release to their community. But but now we're we're considering two different pathways for the public release of this. Um, one pathway is uh, placement on Amazon or Netflix, and you know that's typically not so easy to do. You know, there's a lot of competition for that. Um, but our first film is on Amazon, and it was on Netflix prior to that. And this film has won a lot of awards at film festivals, so I think we have a very good. Opportunity to get it placed on one of those platforms. But we're also considering the possibility of just releasing it on YouTube, but having, you know, putting a viewer on our website that everyone can access freely. um, And doing that in a way where people kind of funnel into it and learn about the nonprofit and are encouraged as well to provide some financial support. So we're, so if we do the, Netflix Amazon approach that's going to take longer it could take several months just cuz you have to go through a process that doesn't happen overnight if we do the YouTube approach it'll be up there a lot sooner potentially even in the next few weeks so what i would recommend that people do if it if it's not up by the time this airs is go to plantpurecommunity.org and subscribe because mm-hmm. if you're on our email list you'll be the first to know
0: nice Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's great. Are there any, I mean, do you have any other plans for any future documentaries or anything like that kind of coming up this year or maybe the next couple well, of years?
1: Well, I've had an idea for a documentary that it's been bubbling on my head for a long time now. And and I think this one would be, uh, a, a more, at least to me, even more exciting. I'm just, you know, really motivated to to do this. It, it would be a, a documentary that would be focused on making these larger connections. So, you know, Plant Pure Nation and From Food to Freedom are really focused on the food and health benefits, but there are so many other aspects to this idea and and especially important are the environmental connections, Mm -hmm. which you, you, you know, you can go online, you can research that you see a lot, but there's actually some really critical information that's not known uh, by the public as to uh, actually how quickly the planet would heal if the world went plant based, the the magnitude of change is is far greater than is understood. And you know, we through our nonprofit we actually supported uh, a well known climate researcher to do a study, uh, beginning to look at this question. And I've spent a lot of time talking to him. And there are some pieces of the puzzle that have been. Left out of uh, prior research on this topic. So there's a very powerful connection. It's not just the climate but also the biodiversity and all you know all aspects of our environment. There are also kind of ethical and even spiritual uh, arguments uh, around around this idea. And so, I kind of have a concept of how we could do a film that would tell the story and tie it all together. Um, But again, (laughs) it comes down to money. I wish I was a, you know, I wish I was a multi gazillionaire and I could do whatever I wanted. But but right now we don't have the money to do that. I'm just trying to raise enough money to keep our our organizations afloat. Um, But maybe someday. Yeah. I'll get a chance to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a topic that needs to be shared with the world. So I will be mm-hmm. anxiously awaiting that because I'm sure it's going to happen eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, one thing I'll say, Ashley, is we have two organizations. We've talked about the nonprofit uh, and the pods. We also have a plant pure foods business um, that we we started in part to create food products that could be used to support immersions. Um to generate some revenues, we created these frozen products that are now in some supermarkets. But we just created a new line of meal starter products. Um, we've been working on this concept for a long time. Um, in the past, we were limited by uh, not having a co-packer who could do what we wanted them to do. But then we found this incredible co-packer actually headed by a guy that took my dad's eCornell course and is a plant-based and a, wow. <laughs> a big advocate. Yeah. So anyways, we have a line of these meal starter products that we just launched. Each, each one is like a meal base. It can be used to produce multiple recipes. Okay. So there's there's about 50 recipes, which we're continuing to add to. So if you, if you buy these eight products, it's really all you need in your pantry, you know, to live plant-based. So I'd encourage people to check that out at plantpurenation.com. And there's a connection of that as well back to the nonprofit because as we get our feet under us, and uh, we're able to do this, we wanna undertake strategies through the nonprofit uh, outreach strategies in under-resourced communities where chronic disease rates are highest and where oftentimes healthy, affordable foods are most lacking. And so we wanna support those efforts with these meal starters, and pure will waive 100% of its profit margin mm-hmm. when it does that. So the food just gets passed through from the factory you know, right to, to those folks who who are being served. Um, that's a dream I've had for a long time. I tell us in Plan for Your Nation, I told the story of my grandmother who, who uh, really died a, a pretty terrible, terrible death. And it was related to the food that she ate and her poverty. Yeah. Um, this is a very important issue uh, that, you know, as a country, we need to think about. So Anyways, go to plantpurenation.com and you can support that organization by trying its Meal Starter products.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that because that's I know definitely a really neat thing that y'all are also doing as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, we'll include all those links below in the show notes so that you can easily connect with Nelson and everything he's doing with Plant Pure, um, along with the things that Kim's doing as well, because we had her on the podcast a couple months ago. So
1: yeah, and one, in fact, that's the last thing I would like to end with is uh, my uh, Kim, my wife Kim, who is a nationally regarded cookbook author, just released a new book, uh, Plant Your Comfort. So, yeah, you had her on your show, and she's the one who connected me yep. <laughs> to you. But uh, she's been a key part of everything that we've done. Uh, her background is as as an educator. Um, but she's also been, uh, she actually wanted to go to culinary school at a high school, but her dad discouraged her. Mm. <laughs> uh, but she's, she has really honed that craft over, you know, 30, uh, 30 plus years. And so I would encourage folks that you can just go to Amazon and Google her, uh, search her and you'll find her tree cookbooks, but to, to uh, check that out.
0: Yeah. The most recent one, the comfort food one is spectacular. It is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah,
1: these meal starter products, the recipes there are many of them are based on her uh, recipes that she has in those cookbooks. So, OK.
0: OK, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Is she going to be doing some uh, cooking online potentially in the future?
1: Yes, we are uh, going to be relaunching. Uh, she had a cooking show before, kind of a cook along. Uh, but now it's just going to be pretty kind of a standard cooking show. But uh, we've already filmed two, two or three segments oh, of that. So nice. we'll be releasing that soon.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Oh, we'll we'll look out for that then too. Okay. So lots Mm -hmm. of great things coming up. And for you listening, Mm -hmm. like I said, I cannot recommend Plant Pure Nation and From Food to Freedom, both of those documentaries enough. From Food to Freedom, especially just because it is so new and I watched it a couple months ago. I mean, I cried, I laughed, like there were just such a mix of emotions with it. It was such a captivating story and documentary. So highly recommend checking both of those out. And then everything else below in the show notes we've provided with provided some links that you can check out as well to connect with plant peer. So Nelson, thank you so much for everything that you're doing and for coming on and just sharing all the work that you're doing. Uh, we just really appreciate you and your family.
1: Well, thank you, Ashley. And I appreciate what you're doing as well to help, you know, spread the word in this podcast. You know, it's, it's going to take thousands, millions of us doing, doing these sorts of things to, to build a plant-based world. So thank you. Yep.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: All right. Thanks, Ashley.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the plant centered and thriving podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me. So I can personally say thank you until next time. Keep thriving.